0: What's up, friends? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Carrie, and I'm so happy you're here today for this interview episode. I'm so pumped to have this guest on. I know you're going to love her. Let me just get right into telling you about her. Today's guest is the super talented Candace Cruz. Candace is an actress and an on-air host in sunny Los Angeles, California. Candace is a woman after my own heart. Fiery, hardworking, and brimming with personality, her journey has been full of exciting ups and downs and turns along the way from interning at ESPN headquarters to winning the title of Miss Teen United States in 2010 and graduating cum laude from the University of Kentucky with a BA in broadcast journalism. She finally took the leap and made her way to Los Angeles, California, which I have to tell you is quite an interesting story of how she got there. She's definitely going to tell us about that. Since arriving in Los Angeles, Candice has been cultivating her talents at multiple studios, including hosting many shows at AfterBuzz TV, Black Hollywood Live, Popcorn Talk, Buzz 360, and Red Carpet Report. Something tells me that is just the beginning for this woman, you guys. She is on fire, and I'm so happy to have her on the show. Please enjoy my conversation with Candace Cruz. Candace, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. How are you doing?
1: I'm good.
2: Thanks, Carrie, for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you today.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to pick your brain and just to share your story with my listeners. You're coming to us from LA and things have been a little bit dicey there, obviously with COVID, but then there's also some environmental things going on there. So are you hanging in there?
2: We're hanging in. I mean, listen, since the beginning of COVID, it has been a crazy ride out here, especially, I mean, we're in the heart of the entertainment industry, and, you know, I, as being an entertainment host and an actress as well, it's just been um, quite a self-reflective journey and a journey of... You know, seeing how our industry will evolve and what challenges that we're going to overcome. So it's definitely been a roller coaster, but things are starting to open up um, safely, obviously. I mean, productions are starting to pick back up. And so now we're just going to actually see what the new normal is um, and how we proceed. So, yeah, it's been, it's been. (laughs) crazy. I have been very lucky though, to live in a place where I can drive to the beach and at least have something to do during quarantine and be out in the sun and adventure and whatnot safely. But
1: yeah. Well, that's so great to hear. So before we start and dive into everything that you do, and I know there's a lot to dive into, I always start with where are you from and what were you like as a child? Oh,
2: so I am originally from Kentucky. Riddle me that. A (laughs) Yeah. And you don't hear the accent, do you? No. Wow.
0: Impressive.
2: <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it can come out here and there every once <laughs> in a while. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Kentucky. I lived there from age five until 22, and then moved out to LA. And I've been out here for the last seven years. So people doing math, you can catch up with the age. <laughs> in my late 20s. Uh, I hit that mark. But I, as a child, Oh gosh, not much much has changed to be honest with you. Um, I'll say that again. Not much has changed to be honest with you. I uh I was always the loud child, the rambunctious child. Um always wanted to play pretend and I always wanted to be a performer ever since like 2. The earliest yeah. memories I have, I've always wanted to be in the limelight of some sort whether that be singing or acting or I, I fell in love with hosting in my, my early college years, late high school years. So I was always out there and an extrovert. Uh, mm-hmm. I did fall into the introvertedness a little bit at, you know, adolescence and whatnot. When you're in elementary school, I was a nerd. I was the book nerd. I was on the academic team, uh, problem solving team, mock United Nations, Kentucky government, all of those things. And I think I did carry a lot of that into my adulthood. Um, and I'm very interested in a lot of those things as well still.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I, I fell back into my, um, my boisterous self back around eighth grade, ninth grade, and then yeah. it just never, never stopped.
1: You know, I've had a couple of my TV host friends on, and without a doubt, they all say, when I asked them what they were like as a child, and I'm the same way, they all say I was the loud one. Like, <laughs> Oh, yes.
2: If you put a bunch of hosts in a room, we always joked about that because I did the NBC hosting workshop and I did a lot of our carpet coverage for The Voice and a lot of my good friends we all work together. And Mm -hmm. so we always talk, if you put a bunch of hosts in a room, it's going to be the loudest room and you're not going to get a word in edgewise or you're going to have to figure out how to get it in there.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. So you mentioned college. Where did you go for college?
2: I went to university of Kentucky. That's my alma mater. So I went there for broadcast journalism.
1: Okay, so, I mean, was what was it like? Obviously, I mean, I'm a sports girl, so the basketball team is
0: really good all <laughs> <way> the <to> go.
2: <laughs> I, I very much lucked out. And I was also a junior of the year that we won the national championship. <clears throat> That's so
0: cool. Um,
2: excuse me. Sorry. I just always <laughs> like to brag on that. <laughs> but I... um It was amazing. It was such an amazing experience. And my freshman year, I ended up interning for Coach Calipari and his media. And that was the beginning of Instagram and websites and all of that good stuff in 2009 where like, media was starting to become king, but we still hadn't figured it out just yet. And so I interned with him and then I in, ended up getting an internship at ESPN my junior summer going into senior year of college. And so I interned up in Bristol, Connecticut. I was at the the headquarters and um, it was incredible. And that was literally the summer after we won the national championship. So everyone was like, congratulations. I'm like, thank you so much. I didn't play the game, but (laughs) I'm so proud. Um, but yeah, I mean, UK was amazing. And I was very lucky to have, I had some incredible teachers, uh, shout out to Mel Coffey and, uh, professor Scooby Ryan, uh, Beth Barnes, all of them. They really did, you know, build me up. Um, from the beginning and really nurtured me and we had a really small college within the university. So they, they knew me very well and um, put me in a lot of opportunities and what was lucky with the university of Kentucky and for any up and coming journalists and multimedia journalists, I know that they're changing the, the curriculum now with the way mm-hmm. the technology is going, but um they really did let us learn everything. We learned how to be a one man band. And at the time that's what they wanted. And yeah. I don't know as much when it comes to hard news, if that's still the the going, what they're wanting, but I would assume it is, but we had a, a live newscast that went on Monday through Thursday um, that you did your junior and senior year. And you do one day a week, you would rotate each week and do producer um, editor, director, um, main news anchor, secondary sports entertainment, and you had to rotate. And I ended up getting nominated for an AP award in college for my producing, um, through that program. And then I also got to be the lead host for a show called campus voices, which you had to do your junior year was run the radio station. And as a senior, I was essentially a TA, um, for the show and was the host of the show and got to kind of guide up and coming, juniors that were doing the radio programming. Um, And so that was, college was a whirlwind. I was constantly working interning. I had seven internships all the way through college um, and, and then the program itself. So I was very, very lucky that University of Kentucky had the program that it did.
1: Wow, that's incredible. There's so much to unpack there. But my first question is How did you land an internship in ESPN? That's impressive.
2: <laughs> I knew you would love that. I saw all your bio in the sports and I was like, Oh, she's going to ask me. Yes. Um, it's so funny and ironic. And my friends back in college hated me, not actually hated me, but they hated me for getting it because I was up for two internships. I was up for CMT. ESPN
1: oh and that was cool too CMT
2: oh I loved it and I, I I mean obviously as an entertainment host I I was open to both but I was not a sports girl going into ESPN I had no pro teams knew nothing other than college sports and what I was raised with and somehow out of all of the other people in my program that were all like sports like huge sports fans I was the one that got it. So it was a running joke for a minute, but I did a media ingest. And so basically what that was, it was a crazy summer to have it because it was the year of 2012. So we had the Olympics in London, Wimbledon, the PGA pro tour. Um, You had, gosh, I think we had a couple other... Big ones I can't remember right off the top of my head. But essentially Ingest is where we would be streaming on every single TV. I think we had like 10 TVs in that building or in that space that we were um, streaming all of the sports games from around the world. And we would be entering them into a library of sorts. So obviously with computers, it's a little bit different. But the OG days of um, Ingest before you or I were ever in the industry was putting everything on tape. And yeah. so I was watching like five computers, just basically making sure that we didn't miss anything. So it was definitely learning the other side of the industry when I was at the internship, but it was an amazing experience. I'm still um, in touch with a handful of people I interned with. And um, we had a um, a very, um, uh, what's the best way of putting it? I'm sorry. Um, we had an incredible team that year of interns and they had to deal with the SEC so we had a lot of SEC students that were there mm-hmm. um, and we lived in apartments out in Hartford and we were literally living our best lives. We could get on a train <laughs> and go to New York. Um, we got to there was a, a group of six girls and we were all super close and we got to go to GMA and go watch them tape because GMA and ESPN are both under the ABC Disney yes. um, umbrella and so we got to go there. I got to go intern for a day for they were doing good afternoon America at that time. And I don't think it ever took off, but I got to help with that. So it was, it was an amazing opportunity. And then obviously I picked my teams and now they've changed since I moved to LA. I got some pro teams of my own.
1: Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, did you always want to be in entertainment or were you just kind of like, I want to be on TV, whatever, you know, whatever takes me there or was entertainment, you always from the get-go were like, I'm going to be on the red carpet. I'm going to be in entertainment.
2: So it's interesting for me, because like I said earlier, I'm an actress as well. So I've always loved television, movies, media, theater, all of it. Like that's always been my passion. And originally I was going into college with the um, the major of psychology and I was going to go into law school. And my mom, literally a week before going to college, she was like, why don't you look into journalism? Like you love talking business and politics and entertainment and all this stuff. Why don't you just merge the two and combine acting into all of your other passions is what her mindset was. And I ended up going in and loving the, um, the program and met my advisor and I was like, okay, this is it. And so I just kind of fell into it, to be honest with you. Um, And then now looking back in hindsight, we have videos of me when I was three and four doing a cooking show and hosting all these shows and performances. So I think it's always been in my blood to be a host. I just didn't never really know that that was a job or never really thought about it to a big extent. Um, And then just by blessings, it's all kind of come together.
1: I want to just give a shout out to your mom because what mother is like, their daughter's like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And then their mom's like, I think you should be an actor instead. You know?
2: What I mean? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I actually wanted to go to college to be an actor. And she's like, no, no, you're not getting a degree in theater. And so <laughs> I picked psychology and, you know, did the track that I was, I thought I was supposed to do. And then I think she knew I was going in with it with the intention of like, I was doing what I was quote unquote supposed to do, not what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, um, and then she was like, well, why don't we kind of like me- mesh it together and make it work for you? So we kind of met in the middle, essentially.
1: <laughs> That's so incredible that she yeah. encouraged you to do that, because I know, yeah. you know, acting and even, you know, being a TV host, it's so it can be wishy washy about where you get a job and, you know, doing freelance, even it's up, it's down. And it's not as dependable as something mm-hmm. like being a doctor or a lawyer, or an accountant probably would be.
2: Absolutely. But I, I, I've stood by, stood by this since I moved out to LA. And even before then, I do not want to look back at my life and say, what if Mm -hmm. I would rather, you know, follow my dreams as hard as it is because it has been hard. Um, but I would much rather do that than look back and be like, gosh, I wish I would have just tried, like what Mm would have happened if I did it. And now I won't ever have that question of what if.
1: Yeah, oh, that's amazing. And so incredible. I couldn't agree more. So after your internship with ESPN on the East Coast, did you think about, you know, going to New York? I mean, there are plenty. Granted, there's not a ton. That's not the hub of entertainment, but you still have New York Fashion Week. You still have a ton of fashion type things, a ton of like magazine and model editorial things. So, I mean, you probably could have done something in entertainment on the East Coast. What made you want to go to the West Coast? That
2: is a crazy story. Um, so rewind a little bit. Uh, right before you in college, you get the dreaded question of like, what are you going to do after college? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just knew in my heart, I was like, I'm moving to Los Angeles. I had no money saved. I had no plan, knew no one in Los Angeles. And I was just like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And so fast forward a little bit further, and I was talking to my cousin And we both wanted to move out to LA and then he ended up getting a gig doing videography and photography for a boy band. And he moved out to LA ahead of me. And when the boys were on tour for this boy band, they ended up coming to Cincinnati. And I um, was like, you know what? I'll just interview. I'll meet the band and hopefully there'll be a further opportunity. Because at this point I was working at a local radio station. I was just putting out feelers, applying everywhere in California I was even starting to look in New York, but at that point you had to live there. Um, so it was like, okay, well I can apply all I want, but if I don't live there, then it's kind of hard. Yeah. So I ended up interviewing with the manager of the boy band and he liked me and he was like, you know what? I'm going up to Toronto. Do you want my spot on the tour bus? And I was like, Sure. He said, do you have a suitcase with you? And I was smart enough before I left. I was like in the one in 100 millionth chance that I get asked to go on tour, I need to at least have a suitcase. And I was going to stay with my aunt that night if this didn't happen. And I said, I do have a suitcase. And he was like, okay, well then come on with us. And so I left my keys in the gas tank and hopped on a tour bus and did social media marketing for a boy band in on tour in 20 cities nationwide. And the last stop was LA. So me speaking it into existence prior to graduating from college. And then three months later, I somehow end up broke as can be in Los Angeles and just made it work. And I'm still here seven years later.
1: Oh, my gosh. That truly is a crazy story. Sometimes people are like, oh, it's a crazy story. And it's, and they tell you like, oh, I bought a ticket and my ticket got canceled, but then I went anyway. You know what I mean? But like, that right, is right, true. Right. crazy
2: <laughs> I lived on couches for a year.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was going to say, so you were broke. You were in L.A., which is not, I mean, it's not New York expensive, but it is expensive. So what was your mm-hmm. first, you know, what was your first move when you got to L.A.?
2: Oh, I mean, I was very lucky in hindsight as well. And I mean, obviously when we're in it, we're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the end. But, you know, for me, God really did bless me in every path and was just like, I never, I only had one night that I was actually wondering where I was going to sleep. And I ended up finding a place that night. So I never went a night without having a place to sleep and a roof over my head and just enough money to get food and put gas in my car and I ended up buying a car while I was out there. Um, I ended up getting a Fiat and I got, I had multiple jobs working all hours of the day and night and jumped from job to job and, you know, just was very scrappy. And Mm -hmm. that's literally all I could do. And I was very, very lucky that again, being the extrovert that I am, I met amazing people that really believed in me and believed I was supposed to be out there and really, you know, did put things out there to help me, um, gave me opportunities. And I'm very grateful for all of them. Cause if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't still be here.
1: I want for a second, just to talk about like being scrappy in this business mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. persistent and having grit, because I think, you know, as an actor, of course, you you know, there's the classic story that you're denied for so long, you're said no, no, no. And then finally one day, if you stick it out and if you're, you know, scrappy enough, you could get your shot. You still have to be ready, mm-hmm. but you could get your shot. And a lot of that I think is the same with TV and and what you and I do. So just mm-hmm. speak a little bit about how necessary that scrappiness was and that persistence was in your journey.
2: I think you're going to be told no so many times. I mean, I'm still told no on a daily basis. So I think you you do have to get, um, get your armor on before you even get here and know that that's going to happen. If you are the lucky person that doesn't get told no all the time, I think you're going to have a different set of challenges than the people that are told no from the get-go. And I think from being told no, you discover who you are. Mm -hmm. You discover your voice and you discover how resilient you are and how badly you want this. That I think is the biggest thing because this is not an easy job. Mm -hmm. As easy as people on TV and on radio make it look, it is not easy. And it is a skill and a talent that you have to continually work at and hone in on, and you constantly have to be on the pulse of what's happening in media to whatever capacity you're doing, whether that's sports, whether that's news, whether that's entertainment. The first thing I do in the morning by reflex is check what's going on in the news and in entertainment news. I'm constantly up to date on everything, and if I'm not, as soon as someone tells me, I pull it up online and I want to find out. That's just my nature, my research journalism nature. Um, so I think for that alone is resilience, and then the scrappiness is, you know what? You got to find a ring light. If you can't afford a ring light, get one of those small clip-on ones. It's twenty bucks. You can get a lav mic for twenty bucks. You have an iPhone. And that's all you need. And maybe a tripod or some books to prop it up on. If you can do that and make quality content, then you can do it if you really want it. And I think it just depends on how much you want it and um, how scrappy you can get. And, you know, constantly working on what you have and your collateral and making sure that you know what your social media looks like and, um, being prepared and knowing your research and interviewing quality people and really knowing how to interview them properly. I think that there's just so many skills that you just have to constantly be working at. And if someone thinks that it's going to be a fast and easy road, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely think that it's not to be negative. I think that anyone can do it. If I can do it, then anyone can do it. Um, it just depends on, on your abilities and how much you're willing to work for it. So I would suggest to anyone that wants to do it, if you're not in LA or you're not in New York, take as many classes as you can online. There are so many opportunities online now. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of, of, the main hosts that you, you know, on air, like Zuri Hall, she's been doing the alpha babe where you can do different workshops and listen to, all of the main name hosts that you know, Um, they'll teach you all of the things that you need to know to get into the business. And some of the stuff we don't even know, we're finding out as we go along. And I think also being able to go with the flow too, is another element of being scrappy and um, pursuing this career.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You said something at the beginning where you said that it really is a skill and you said the people on TV make it look easy, but it's not. And I could not agree with you more. I've been in so many situations where a host has messed up, you know, when Steve Harvey messed up the miss universe or whatever, and everyone had Mm -hmm. a field day. And as a host myself, I was like, look, like, look here, like, Good hosts, Steve Harvey, Robin Roberts, all these people, Zuri Hall, these people who are pros, they make it look easy. That does not mean that it is easy. You know, LeBron James Mm -hmm. makes basketball look easy, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy for me and you and everyone
2: else.
1: So it's one of the things where I do think it's a skill. But, yeah, if you work at it and hone in on it, you know, you can make it look easy. What is one Mm -hmm. of the biggest misconceptions that you think – you know, people. When you talk to people and they get surprised about what you do, what is the biggest misconception that people have about being an entertainment host?
2: Um, again, I think they think it's easy. I think yeah. that it's, um, and a lot of times too, and it's unfortunate. They're just like, oh, it's entertainment. You know, it's it's very much a brush off. For some odd yeah. reason, entertainment has been leveled down to gossip. And I don't think that that is true. And i I believe personally, yes, there is a time and place for hard news, and I respect it so much. i I mean, I met Martha Raditz and Fangirl on her. So I am a huge fan, um an advocate for hard news, for sports. Like they all have very separate skill sets. But for me, What is the first thing that we go to when we're in a crisis, when we're having a pandemic, when we're upset, we go to entertainment, Mm -hmm. we go to the arts and that is where we feel good. And, you know, whether that be watching Netflix or Hulu and for entertainment news to really showcase all of those people that are working so hard Um, as actors and performers and whatnot, and really get an inside scoop on what they're doing, Like people thrive on that. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at Instagram. Instagram is literally entertainment media at its finest. And that is what we always go to. And so I think that that's the biggest misconception. And it's a little disheartening sometimes is that people always put it down to gossip, but also so many tastemakers and people that are eliciting change are in entertainment news today, because this mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. This is where people are listening. And, um, you know, we're in a world of change where we're talking about representation and equality, and we're letting people use their voices in ways that they didn't get to before. And that goes towards our performers. And I don't, Think that now is the time to just reduce it down to, oh, it's entertainment, it's fluff. Of course, there's going to be some fluff in there. I don't want to constantly be bombarded with something heavy. Of course, I want some levity, but there's also room for depth and for um, artistic expression um, in entertainment news. And I, I you get to see real personality. That yeah. was the biggest transition for me too, going from my news background in, in school and coming into entertainment. And I was like, I get to smile. <laughs> I get to be myself. Who yeah. the hell am I? And yeah. I got to explore that too. And, you know, be my best version of myself on entertainment. So I I'm obsessed with it. And some people may think that it's whatever. And I'm going to say, okay, well then I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs> See you. Oh, <laughs> on, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. literally, they've got the thumb on what is popular culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's no, culture. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, one is, what was your like first break when it came to, and did you get your break in hosting first or in acting when you finally, you know, got, uh, you know, a job in the industry, you said you kind of bounced around and made ends meet while you could, but what was your first kind of big break in acting or hosting?
2: Who, um, I would definitely say hosting has taken off faster than acting. You know, I, I've been very lucky to do a couple of things in acting with, you know, different web series and independent films and whatnot, but, entertainment news and hosting has really just kind of taken off within the last three years now for me mm-hmm. two and a half three years um and the big break came from it would be a mix I would say I did some work with AfterBuzz TV which mm-hmm. is Maria Menounos's company
1: yeah I love Maria
2: I love Maria she's amazing and her husband Kevin Undergaro they literally have you know, given me so many opportunities and were incredible mentors. And, um, I still have, I worked with them up until the middle of pandemic as well. So, you know, I've been very lucky to work with them and they gave me my first opportunity to go on a red carpet and I was working a full-time job. And I think at the time I was actually working seven days a week, working two full-time jobs and toasting. And I would still go do red carpets at night. And I would do, I think I started out with five shows and I had just fit, quit my other job. So I had one full time job and I was doing five shows on After Buzz and Red Carpets. And I was just, that's scrappy for sure. Is like, yeah. I, I didn't sleep. I, I never slept. I was constantly going, um, looking for new opportunities. And then I ended up, it was literally like, again, what's meant for you will not pass you by because yep. I, ended up going into after buzz one night and I had had an email a couple of weeks before about the NBC hosting workshop. And I kept putting it off in the back of my mind, like, Oh, I'll do it in a little bit. I'll do it in a little bit. And then I walked in and one of the girls was frantic and she was like, it's due tomorrow. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I sat and I had just finished two shows and I said, Hey, can someone put me on tape for this? Let me just submit something. And I read through the script. We put it on teleprompter. I put it up there I, sub- I edited a reel together. I did not have a reel finished either. I did not have a reel done. I edited the reel while I was at my regular job the next day and submitted it the due date that it was due and ended up getting accepted to NBC Hosting Workshop. And from there, I got to interview at some of the dream networks that I wanted to work at. I started doing the, the voice red carpet for AfterBuzz. I started doing press junkets for them. Um, I started catching eyes of other um, entertainment outlets while I was at Rick carpets and they started bringing me on for different freelance opportunities and I got to do the SAG Awards. So things just kept like, I was on a moving train that just kept going. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think if I would attribute it to one particular big break other than like momentary opportunities that just kind of happened, that was the springboard
1: and working your ass off. It sounds like, I mean, let's <laughs>
2: that out there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hard work. That is so cool and so amazing. I was going to ask you Thank what you. You know, one of your favorite things you've done so far, whether it be red carpet or favorite interview you've had or someone you met that it just really stuck out to you, that whether it was a celeb and they were just super normal and super genuine, what was that for you? My
2: favorite interview to date, and he is also one of the nicest human beings, uh, was Milo Ventimiglia from This Is Us.
1: <gasps> Stop <laughs> it. Best <It's laughs> so interview to hear he that because was, I love him so much.
2: He is one of the nicest people. And it, oddly enough, I ran into him before the pandemic happened at a rock climbing place in LA. And he was just as normal and, you know, chill. I didn't talk to him, but I just saw him and I was like, I'm going to let him do his thing and live his life. And he just
1: blended in. Yeah. Doing
2: um, But I mean, you see a lot of people around LA, so um, yeah. you kind of get used to it. But for him, I was at the NBC upfronts and he was going down the lines of the main outlet. So when you're at a red carpet, just for anyone that hasn't been there before, they break you down, um, by outlet. So they put you by priority at the beginning of the carpet. Um, whether it's like E extra entertainment tonight, um, extra Canada, so on and so forth. So they put all those at the front. Then they find priority and put everybody else in the lineup. And I was very lucky with my placement because I was right after the main outlets and he was doing all the main outlets. And I heard his publicist in the background saying, we got to get him to Ellen soon. And I literally looked at her because I was in the next lineup and I was like, please let me talk to him. And I normally (laughs) don't do that. I, I talked to the the publicist a little bit, just bantering back and forth. I was like, please just let me do this interview. She was like, you have three minutes. I said, done. I can get this in and out in three minutes. And sure enough, I had three minutes with him and he was the most present human being. Like no one yeah. else mattered because when you're on red carpet, a lot of times it's a machine. People are, yes. they'll interview, they know their talking points, bump, bump, bump. Great. Thank you so much. Nice meeting you. Moving on. We all Mm -hmm. have our talking points. We focus for a second, but we're also trying to be aware of our time and our surroundings. So we're not always 100% present. It's a balancing Mm -hmm. act, but for him, no one else existed in that moment other than me. And he was very focused and entertaining and it was like a tennis match. And that's when you have gold and that's what you hope for as an entertainment host is when you have someone that will volley and play back and forth with you and give you something. And, um, It's not just an interview and talking points. It's like a live conversation. And that's what I love so much. And he was, he looked me in the eye. He shook my hand. Nice to meet you back in the days when we could shake hands.
1: Oh my God. I was just going (laughs) to say, he shook his hand. I just got like the hairs on my neck, just like rose all anxiety.
2: Bizarre. But yeah, he was lovely, and I had been lucky enough to do the um, set tour and meet all of his other cast members the week before, so I even brought that up, and we just got to talk back and forth, and it was a great interview. It's still, to this day, one of my best and one of my favorite interviews.
1: I love that. That's incredible. Yeah. do you have any advice we kind of you've kind of been shouting out some advice here and there but you know Mm -hmm. for people who want to get into entertainment or just want to be on air what is your advice to someone in college and is like I think I want to do this but I'm intimidated or I'm scared I don't know what to do what's just your flat out super easy anyone can follow it advice just do it
2: (laughs) in the words in the words of Nike just do it listen I'm still terrified to this day, I just put up a new episode of, um, Candice be real on my Instagram. And as soon as I posted, I still get nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's no time better than the present. We are in the great equalizer right now, especially during COVID. So if you listen to this podcast and the only thing that you take out of this podcast is to go and get your setup and do your first segment tomorrow, then do it. And I will say that I've honed my skills so much over this time by learning. I mean, I already knew how to write, but really honing my skills of host writing. There's a big difference between writing for a newspaper and a blog than writing for on air. People, Mm -hmm. they watch with their ears. That was the biggest advice my college professor gave me is people watch with their ears. They don't actually watch. They listen. Mm -hmm. So watch, uh, write like you're talking, set up your iPhone, put it on a tripod, get good lighting, and just shoot something and put it up on Instagram or put it up on YouTube. Because mm-hmm. now we have no excuses. We know what good quality looks like. Mm-hmm. We know what aesthetically people are interested in. Learn your brand, learn who you are, and just do it. Because everybody is doing it from their home. Gwyneth Paltrow mm-hmm. is sitting in her living room. I the know. Yes. Anderson. Jimmy yes. Jimmy Fallon. We're all sitting in our homes. So there is no reason to not do it. And you may just catch the eye of someone moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people that got signed to big top five agencies just from doing TikTok impressions during quarantine. And yeah. they're getting their own show now. So there is no reason not to do it.
1: Perfect. 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 I just couldn't agree more. So I am a pop culture, you know, freak. I love pop culture. I do a show on the same podcast called (laughs) Pop Culture Friday, and it's my favorite. So because you're also a pop culture fan, I want to get just your, you know, quick and dirty opinions on a couple of pop. Yes. Let's do Um, it. So the first one I think is really hot news right now, and I don't love talking about them, but the Kardashians is the show is ending. What, like, what were your thoughts when you saw that?
2: Okay, so if you go watch my new episode that I just put out, I'm plugging it right now. Candice B. Yeah. Well, on my IGTV. So I literally talked about this. And in the episode, I watched back my edit and I was like, dang, I sound salty to them. Like, I really sound mean about them. Listen, I'm not a fan of the show. Have I watched mm-hmm. it before? Yes. I've had it on as background noise and guilty pleasure every once in a while. But I... I even said this in my episode, kudos to Chris Jenner. Like mm-hmm. that is a business woman. She took a mishap that happened to Kim years ago, cleaned it up and somehow got a small reality show and built it into an empire. Yeah. All of these women are multimillionaire billionaires on their own accord. And they mm-hmm. all learned how to make celebrity into entrepreneurial and entrepreneurship. Sorry. Um, and I mean, look at most of the things that we consume now skims. We've mm-hmm. got Kylie lip kit. We've got good American jeans. Like we have brands that don't necessarily have their names associated that they've been associated with that we consume. So, I mean, I'm a fan of the Kardashian clan in that regards. Yeah. Am I same. glad the show is over? Heck Yes. 20 seasons and spinoffs and yeah, then monopolizing. Not. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's monopolizing entertainment news when they don't need to be the center, because there was a moment in time where you could not turn on a news channel without hearing the word Kardashian.
1: Yep. So you know, I really- am glad
2: they're getting away. <laughs>
1: I really think of them as the first people. And, you know, when it started, I think it started in 2007, right? And reality TV was Mm -hmm. very different then. You know, we didn't have all these Mm -hmm. streaming services and we had some reality TV. We had The Bachelor. We had some other things, but it wasn't nearly what it is now. And they really Mm -hmm. took reality TV and blew it up. And I also think of them as being the first people who really were famous for being famous type of thing. Exactly. Absolutely. So, I mean, do I, I...
2: Applaud them, yes. Am I glad that that chapter of our lives is over?
1: Yes. my feelings are so similar we literally we agree so much the other thing I really want to get your take on is something that specifically I want to get your take on because you are of a Latina background and there was recently some kind of drama with Cosmo Mexico and someone that Mm -hmm. they chose to put on the cover of their magazine who is not Latina and there are some people uh, most notably Liliana Vasquez who is an amazing host for E! who were really upset by it and really kind of took fire with it. And I just was wondering what your opinion as a, a beautiful, talented Latina woman, what what were your thoughts when you saw someone who's not even Latina on the cover of that magazine?
2: Well, thank you for that compliment. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So when it comes to that, that go, circling back to what I said earlier is that we as entertainment hosts have the opportunity and the unique opportunity to be tastemakers and to really elicit change. And that's what Liliana is doing. And Mm -hmm. she literally created a movement over this. And if you've been watching it on social media and I encourage anyone that wants to know more about it, to go on over and follow her on Instagram because she was You know, uniting a lot of influential Latino women to come forth and and communicate about this because it it is an issue. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is an issue that is staring us straight in the face um, is that there is not enough representation that is a genuine representation. Yeah, Like I've been listening and, and paying attention and I'm going to take a words from Justin Sylvester the other day when they were talking about the new qualifications that the Oscars are having is that we don't want to be the diversity hire. We want to be yeah. hired because we are strong, talented, intelligent people of color. That's yeah. what we're wanting and that's what we're fighting for. And, you know, I, I will say I'm mixed. My father's Puerto Rican, my mother is white. So I do realize that I do have privilege and I don't want to ignore that. And I think that that's been something that um, we're all talking about as well as learning the, the term privilege and what that means and, um, you know, really using it um, for what, for good, using it for good. And I think that that's um, Liliana is really speaking out and speaking against a white. Controversial influencer that was put on the cover of an issue that is one of the biggest money makers for the magazine. And
1: yeah, the why, September why would, issue, too. Yeah,
2: exactly. Why would you have someone that doesn't reflect your viewers, your readers, your consumers? I mean, we, I don't know the exact number, but Latinos in general make up a huge number of consumers for every bit of media. And I, I don't know why it's continually pushed to the side. And even Liliana made a good point. She said, this is the issue that kicks off Hispanic heritage month, which is September going into October. And why in the world would you pick someone like this to go on the cover? And, um, I know that this this whole story is very interesting, but I think that it leads into a bigger conversation um, that we've been having as a community and and what we can do, and especially in the Black Lives Matter movement. And there's just a lot of conversations and trying to figure out where we go from here. And I think that this is a good, a, a great talking point and something to really read up on more as well. But, I mean, we'll see. I It really takes the big conglomerates to make the change and to make the move. Um, But enough of us have to speak up to make them make the move. Because if if she wouldn't have said anything, they wouldn't have done anything. They would have been, great, great addition, moving on, and next, and let's have another white influencer come on. Yeah. You know, so –
1: yeah. She really stuck her neck out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, she, she works for E, which is a huge network, but you know, she put her, her butt on the line. Cause E could have been like, look, stop swearing on Instagram, stop making these you know statements. But they, I mean, she stuck her neck out and I, I have a lot of respect for that.
2: And I am very proud of E for being, um, as supportive as they are. And yeah. even the article, when I looked up to read the, the bullet and talking points, is from E and, um, you know, really making sure that they're at the forefront of this. And I do think that they, they are one of the companies and a lot of them are, are trying to make the moves in the best way possible. Like if you really look at the hosts that they have, that they're bringing on, they really are trying to make a difference with the people that they have on their, their network.
1: Yeah, incredible. Well, I, I hope that, like you said, conversations need to happen, mm-hmm. and this is a good starting point. It's a good, you know, reminder that we have work to do. So I'm mm-hmm, glad to hear that. Absolutely. What are some of your goals for the rest of 2020? You know, it's been crazy. I'm sure whatever <laughs> you planned in January uh, looks a little different. But you know, beyond that, in two, five, ten years, what what do you got planned, Candace? What are your goals?
2: Oh, the goals. I mean. Let's just say I would love to get hired by by E or any of the NBC um, affiliates. I've been very lucky to be um, an entertainment expert on NBCLX um, lately since July. And so, you know, 2020 has been a crazy year. Um, my main job that I was working for for four years that was like paying the bills, um, you know, closed down because of the pandemic and. Um, you know, then NBC LX showed up, and I was just very lucky to be working with them, and they even just let me have the opportunity to interview my dad for a longer segment for 9-11. He's my my father's an army vet, so that was an incredible opportunity. Um, so for the rest of 2020, I would love to continue building uh Candace Be Real and you know, really making sure that all of my materials. So for anyone that doesn't know what materials are or collateral, that meaning I have my images on point. I have my branding on point. I have a reel that is um, something that will stand out that people will want to watch and Mm -hmm. make sure that I'm staying current and relevant um, throughout the remainder of the year. Um, But yeah, ideally for 2020, I would love to book a job. So let's Mm -hmm. book a big um, entertainment hosting job or an acting job. So that is the goal. Um, but another goal is just to continue being easy with myself. I just did an interview with a good friend of mine, uh, Phil Svitek, who used to work at AfterBuzz and that's how we met. And we talked about how you're not your, you're not your accolades. You're not your accomplishments and achievements and as amazing as they are, I think this is the time that we really need to just fall in love with ourselves and who we mm-hmm. are. And I think that all of this work that we're all doing on ourselves, on the end of it, once it's all said and done, um, we will be better for it. And we'll actually be able to to go and strive towards all those things that we want um, with new light and vision and purpose. And um, we won't be burnt out by the time that we get there. So.
1: Yeah. God willing. I hope so. This 2020, I think your goals are perfect. Honestly, it's like, you have to be ready. In fact, I have this quote on my nightstand. It's success is, is a matter of like being ready when your opportunity comes. So all these Mm -hmm. people were sitting around like, Oh, this sucks, blah, blah. It's like, there will be an opportunity, but you need to take this time to be ready for it when it does come and you want to come out of it, you know, being fresh.
2: Luck is opportunity, meaning the right timing. 100%.
1: 100%. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Candace, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are Yay. a ray of sunshine. We are oh, a country away and I can feel your energy from here. <laughs> so I love, love that about you. Um, tell everyone where they can find you in all the places that you want to be found.
2: Absolutely. Uh, my name is Candice Cruz, and that's C-A-N-D-I-C-E, and the last name is Cruz, C-R-U-Z. You can find me on all my social media at Candace R. Cruz, and um, I'm actually going to be putting all of my episodes up on YouTube. So I'm taking my own advice, and I'm building up my YouTube finally. Um, so I will be putting links in my bio on Instagram that will direct you towards YouTube because at this point, girl don't have enough subscribers. She has no subscribers because she's just (laughs) starting. So my URL for YouTube is youtube.com slash a bunch of numbers and letters that I will never (laughs) be able to list off. So the best place is just to go to Instagram and find all this stuff.
1: Perfect. I can't wait to watch you shine, Candace. Thank you oh, so thank much. You.
2: you too. And thank you so much for thinking of me and having me on. And I hope this was beneficial to someone.
0: That was actress and on-air host Candace Cruz. For more inspiring interviews with people like Candace, head on over to com slash podcast. If you love today's show, then come back on Friday. I will have a fresh episode of Pop Culture Friday where I spill all the tea about the top five pop culture stories of the week that you need to know about. And I give a little commentary as well. Before you leave, make sure you subscribe to the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your stories. Make sure you tag me. I am at Carrie.Gillespie and the show is at Candidly Speaking Podcast. Tell a friend, tell a stranger, tell your dog, tell your Uber driver, tell everyone about the show. I'd really appreciate it. Last but certainly not least, leave us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and write a review about how I'm your internet bestie and you love hanging out with me every week. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of this amazing community. I'm so grateful to you. Hope you have an amazing week and I will see you again on Friday.